to a uh, to a to an opening with a hundred ostriches in, a, in the back of your Rolls Royce. That's what he was going to do, just because. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Afternoon FM. Today, we have Warren Bobro, the the cocktail whisperer, the cocktail whisperer, a sage of sorts. Sage. Uh, the only guy who looks like he should be on a coin other than me, and possibly <laughs> my future self, which is very strange. We have a lot of way, like weird coincidences yeah, we that do. were fairly jarring. I wish it was on immediately, but I have to set up the mics. Welcome back, guys. Uh, Warren, thank you for thank you for stopping by. <laughs> this is uh, this is like a trip back to Boston in uh, 1984 for me. Four Point Channel. Seeing Run DMC at the Channel Club. Run DMC in Boston. In Boston, oh, yeah, wow. they were kids. It was wild. Is this before uh, for my Adidas dropped? Uh, it was like the beginning of them. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Did you see Rick Rubin? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was wearing chains oh, all yeah, around yeah. his neck. This yeah. is before he adopted the guru mentality. Well, you know, they they were they were just doing things like it was on the on the fly. Yeah, it was yeah. on the fly. It was showing up in Boston. I mean, that was pretty amazing. It's a different time. How is the ar- the architecture in Boston? Is very like warehouses. It's like uh, warehouse. You know, Four Point Channel was like warehouses and huge ten thousand square foot lofts that were all like one room that artists yeah. would come in and cut up into. I mean, they're literally their own houses in these huge loft spaces. They're yeah. all offices now, but you know, it was a great, a different time. Why, why do they do that? Well, it's because you can't, it, you can't leave it open. They were, they were spaces for in, for industry. Yeah, the, the development pressures. But the development, no, this isn't. The development pressures are are far beyond being an art space. Far beyond. Ridiculous. Bro. It's, yeah, it's, it's like down to the down to how many offices can they rent inside these huge commercial it's just units it literally just going down to units one of the units that i knew of had a freight elevator that you could drive your car onto well we, we, there's a freight elevator yeah but well. you could drive your car onto it oh, and you cool. would do that because if you parked it on the street and it was south boston was just over one bridge yeah, so southie, it, south yeah southie yeah well how south is southie I've, I've, uh, I've it's, no it's all changed now Really? What is it like? Okay. Luxury condominiums as well. Uh, yeah. It's, Ever it's, since it's, the party dropped. I have. They uh, <laughs> 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 had to sell off all those churches. Uh, whatever. Tell me a little anyway. bit about. Uh, tell me about you growing so up. So I. So growing up, damn, I I grew up a rich kid in Morristown, Morris Township, New Jersey, Jewish, sheltered, uh, prep school, traveled the world. My dad was a international tax lawyer. For my family's uh, <clears throat> multinational pharmaceutical concern that manufactured Geritol and Sominex and Femiron and Aquavelva and Electric Shave and all sorts of consumer products. And he was really an extraordinarily successful and uh, interesting person who was a true tycoon. Mm. And I was his eldest uh, grandson. Mm. So being that I will be turning 62 in May, I'm pretty close to the age where he was, where he was so influential in the United States. Where? But no one knew his name. No one knew. Uh, Martin Scorsese played him in the movie Quiz Show. That I can tell you. Really? And they called him Martin Rittenhouse instead of Matty Rosenhouse. But huh. anyway, I oh, digress. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. I, didn't, <clears throat> I did not inherit a dime from him. 
Yeah. Um, but I inherited his brains, and that was uh, that was a that was a good reward. Yeah. Sometimes it's like that, man. It's, yeah. Uh, it's weird because uh, with my grandfather's story, it's like, uh, like we were we were vibing a little bit earlier while the mics were off about uh, how. Uh, we have like we have very similar like father structures. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. But, I, but not. I, but it has to come from someplace. And you know, both my grandfathers were very hardworking people, and they lived during the depression, and mm. they came out of the depression better than they did from many of the people that went into the depression. Mm. You know, they were smart Jewish people that really uh, weren't afraid of working a long day because. I got work papers at 13 or 14. They put me to work in a wine store and, mm. and Stort's root beer stand and all these really, you know, and washing dishes in a restaurant and, you know, yeah. all, all sorts of stuff and cleaning out horse stables. That mm. was a big one. And, you know, it, it teaches you to be somewhat respectful of other people, especially those who you come across who have never clean toilets in their life yeah 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 <laughs> so it's uh it's it's it put a smile on my face but really what what changed me and i was touching on that before what changed me was uh, after becoming a chef after working as a dishwasher after starving in portland maine and being cold in places that i shouldn't have been mm. um i uh i basically had to take a a right hand turn and that right hand turn excuse me while i clear my throat for a second at right hand turn was my late father uh forced me because i didn't become a lawyer like he was uh mm. to pay him back every dollar he gave me from birth on and it was about two and a half million dollars it took me 20 years to pay him back i worked in a bank i started as a teller i worked my way up into private banking every day was a drag uh nights and weekends i worked in a wine store and every person I came upon told me the same thing, that I didn't belong in a bank. They didn't know what I was doing there. My bosses all said the same thing. I didn't belong there. I belonged around creative people. And it took me until May of 2009 to see myself for what, who I am. And that's a creative person. And I lost my job due to an offshoring. And it mm. changed my life completely. I had to figure out what I was going to be. And... I started writing. I'd never written before, and I've written six books now and thousands of articles for magazines all over the world, and I do podcasts for people, you know, for groups all over the world, and led conferences, and like the Cannabis Drinks Expo, and I told them that uh, cannabis drinks suck, which they do, and uh, except for mine, because it's the only one that doesn't take that doesn't suck. They Shameless all suck. plug, little, little <laughs> they all, plug they all suck. Um, well, well, drink Klaus is different. Drink Klaus is a ready to drink. It's a delicious craft ingredients, uh, craft cocktail made without rum, but it has THC. It has the uh, Vertoza product, which we love. The emul the nano emulsion. We use Hippie Crasher. It tastes and smells like the strain. So many drinks out there. I mean, there there's some good, I would say gooder ones. I'm not going to name any names. But uh, <laughs> they, they still are all industrialized. The products, the ingredients that I use are all not industrialized. I use the uh, French uh, lime puree. The limes are grown in Martinique. They have a certain pungency and oiliness to them. So it adds a, a depth and balance that's missing in most most sodas and this is not a soda you know it's it's an actual craft 
craft drink. The, uh, the ginger is a Jamaican-style extra hot and spicy ginger syrup from Pickett's in Denver, Colorado. They have replicated Jim Pickett, who's no longer with us, unfortunately, replicated the classic Jamaican-style Great Britain slash, you know, what, what do you do with ginger? You make ginger beer. How do you make it? memorable you make it extra hot and spicy so and then we added a little bit of mirin which is rice vinegar so you make so that's my tip of the cap to thai cooking and vietnamese cooking and pacific rim cooking because the product is sold in, in california and we you go to our website drinkklaus.com if you're in la or san francisco and you can have it delivered to your house it's delicious you want to have tacos you want to squeeze fresh lime on those tacos it's exceptional you want to have a drink that makes you feel good and not couch locked you know and it smells just like a perfectly cured cannabis flower it's magnificent stuff that's just not me speaking you look at our website and you can see you know all the the things that people have said i mean we were in bon appetit last month or this month and you know that that was just magic for us and that's because i saw a rainbow (laughs) there was this bud under my seat it's a rainbow that came the fuck down right into my right next to me and i took a picture of it and ever since then things have been going just wild that was the most beautiful ad drop I've ever heard on the show. You just, you won, bro. Every, some people are like, mixtape coming soon. Catch me on the gram. You know, a lot of people wherever, are like that. It is. I was it's, like, <laughs> was you like know, a, I was actually, like a Walt Whitman fucking poem of an ad. I something in life. <laughs> my brother, I achieved something in life. I was told every day by my late father that I would never, that I would always be a disappointment, that I'd fail at everything. I failed eight times. I don't deserve to fail anymore. I deserve to be a success. Yeah. I work damn hard, and I've done a lot of things that I would never consider in my life at all, yeah. being an artist. I, it just it makes me crazy thinking about it. Yeah. It makes me crazy to think about the amount of time that I wasted. Yeah. But I've, all I can do is do better, and all I can do is make a product as good as this. Live, live for the day and enjoy your life. Yeah, and I wrote that, this book over here, Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails, and Tonics. Yeah, it's I wrote un- that in 2015. It's just starting to get going now we're on like the 10th printing or something crazy like that Damn. and people are still finding out about it that's that's good that's yeah that means that it, that means that it, it, even though it's the first book and the only book on the topic so far according to the library of congress it still is relevant today huh and that's what makes it you know it's that, that was piece. the leap of faith i was working for a company uh a european company as their master mixologist and uh brand ambassador for one of their boutique rum rum brands and i wrote cannabis cocktails and i went to uh moscow brought the uh copy of the from the publisher before they put a cover on it it's like a, a tear of that of that product of the book and I came back to New Jersey and they fired me the next day mm. and that's what changed my life right then and there I, because I, I didn't have a job I didn't know what I was going to do I wasn't going to work in a wine store that, yeah. that just wasn't going to happen and I started writing and I, I took my parachute from uh, from banking and reinvented myself I had a uh, you know it was a, it was a miniature parachute but yeah. I was an AVP so I got a pension and a 401k and it gave me two years in the bank all right, well, and it allowed me to reinvent myself that's good man it's, it's there's like times like that too I, I've uh, not somewhat of a similar story I used to work in a restaurant I was a uh-huh. uh, 
when I was 18, man, I had to, like, basically just, like, figure out, like, how to, like, live and survive. Yeah, and shit. how do you... I, w- I worked as a busser, then a food runner, yeah. then I was, like, a waiter. And, uh, I don't know, the management changed, and I fucking... I kind of left. Yeah. Uh, and I had, like, 40 grand. I was about to, to, to buy, like, a house. And then I realized I never left New Jersey. And I left... I was living in a kind of a loft building like this but it was in mm-hmm. brooklyn you ever hear of the mckibben lofts oh yes yeah, yeah it's Mc- all creative people in there too yeah i've been to that building yeah i i, I live nice building there. i used to live in the mckibben lofts and it was uh there was the bottom uh the fourth floor like the fourth like the relation to the fourth and fifth floor like the fourth floor would be like a kung fu dojo right where it was like my landlord would like go and he would fight like 12 kids from like like the bronx in brooklyn i yeah. swear to god to come back this guy would be like Taking three people, and he'd be talking to me, he'd be like, Matt, stop leaving the light on in the bathroom at night. Like, you know, you should like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's why that building stayed clean. It was, it was a nice building. It was, it, it was, nah, it was a mess. McKibben in 2014, 2013 was oh, okay. fucking dirty as shit. Yeah, but it didn't burn down. So, yeah, know, fair enough, you, fair and enough. You, and you had heat. Nude, uh, nude rave parties. Wait, no, nude paint rave parties. That was that was a big one. It was great though. I remember one specific instance where the other were playing turned down for one, and this uh, this fucking chick was like uh, was naked, covered in paint, and smacked her uh-huh. head on a coffee table, and then just kept dancing. Well, that's it was possible. beautiful. It's about almost ten years later, I still remember it very vividly. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I moved to uh, I moved and I, I I went to Los Angeles, and I, I just realized like you know after like my McKibben saga that I. Uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was like 21 and fucking... Uh, yeah, but at least you didn't work in a bank. No, I didn't work in a bank. See, working in a bank was the most demeaning thing I've ever done was in my life. Was it soulless? What is it? Just it looking was soulless. At, like, it, was, it was... A lot of Excel sheets? Uh, no, not at all. It, it, it was actually dealing with people and... It was to the bank cable address. I worked for NatWest at that time. Yeah. The bank ca- cable address was intimate. What does that mean? That's what intimate. That's yeah. the most inti- What are the most intimate things of your body? That you know. It that was the bank cable. The cable where they sent money uh, around the world. Yeah. Intimate. You know, you put in, you type in I N T I M A T. Intimate, and that was the, that was the call letter of Nat West. It wasn't Nat West. It yeah. was intimate. It's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking disgusting. Jesus. Yeah, that's, you, it's so it's so presumptuous. It's what, so entitled. What like oh intimate? Intimate. Yeah. That's not the most the most intimate thing is what's in your heart. It's not what's in your fucking pocket. It's crazy, bro. But yeah. That's what it is. But that's what it is. And that that frame that was the framework for my next twenty years. I get a gig once in a while to do videography, and it's uh it's strange. We basically I do like TikToks for rich people. Okay. And it's uh. What's it called? They, I don't know, like, like, I'll hear their dialogue, and their dialogue is very, like, they talk about, like, they, it's, it's, like, more of, like, an obsession. Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily, like, a collecting thing, but it's, like, the way, when you see people talk about money, it's, and, uh, and that, it's, the, like, the, weird. And there's, it's, a, it's a, well, there's a stigma. It's like, because nah. you're not supposed to talk about it. No, but like you're really the way, not supposed to talk the, about. They're it. like, well, balls and this and this and this, and there's like a lot, there's a lot of game and shit, and mm-hmm. it's good to. It's just like, it's just a strange thing to like, 
I mean, it's not a strange to obsess about money, but it's well, like... Well, that's why I work in the uh, cannabis industry, because you never know who, who someone is, and there are a lot of dreamers, and there are a lot of artists, and I love it. And, and being that it's the plant, and I use it for medical purposes as well as emotional purposes, um, it's allowed me to see myself for who I am. Alcohol didn't do that for me. Alcohol made me feel stupid. And I was fat, and I was uncomfortable, and I was sick, and I was getting hangovers, and I was a day drinker, you know, a real professional. I'd start drinking at 9 in the morning or earlier with 50 sugarcane rums, you know, having to judge rum competitions. And there's nothing easy about it at all. You can spit all you like, but at the end of the day, after 50 rums, you're drunk. Yeah. And it made me, I was getting headaches and taking Advil, and you can't do that when you drink. It damages your liver, and I just didn't feel, didn't feel healthy. Yeah. I felt sickly. And I, and I wanted to tell the people that I worked for, but they're living the same life. If anything, they're living uh, a more uh, uh, in-depth life because they're responsible for more of the financial uh, welcomings of, of you know, promoting liquor around the world. Yeah. And what happens there is they don't remember anything because they're drunk all the time. And you can't do business deals with people who are drinking to the excess that, that I may not have been drinking, but people around me were drinking. And they're also drinking a lot of overproof and barrel strength and, you know, stuff that's not just 80 proof. We're approaching, you know, some things over 50% over alcohol. And it, it catches up with you. And I, I didn't feel healthy and I didn't feel like the smartest guy in the room, even though I may have made the best drinks anyone has ever tried. But that doesn't mean anything if you don't remember mm. or if you're dead, like so many of my friends are. Mostly liver. In liquor. In liquor. Yeah, really? No, they're all dead. Or, or once or they're still alive or a few and far between. And, uh, and it's so funny because I'm working on a project and I'm under an NDA, so I can't really tell you much about it. But I can tell you that it's a vegan restaurant and they know me because I work in, you know, around cannabis and in the cannabis world. But they, um, they're, they're really an, in, an interesting group of people because they want to do well by others one sip at a time or one bite at a time. And I can't resist that. You mm. know, that plays into my first book which was called apothecary cocktails and it was really a take on what you would do in the early 1800s if you weren't feeling well you would go to your apothecarian in the, the town that you lived in and he would make a, uh, a he would prepare something we call them today a preparatory pharmacist but he would prepare <laughs> something to, for you and how did they keep things fresh well this was the day before electricity so that it would either be wealthy and they would have an ice house or they were not so wealthy and they would preserve their uh concoctions if you will from their kitchen garden with alcohol and those are the very early shrubs not shrubberies but shrubs which would be acidulated beverages in other words uh, herbs or spices or vegetables or fruits that are preserved in vinegar in a cool place so you would add that to some type of fizzy water and add some some colorful peixot bright red bitters and you would say this you know drink this and three times a day and come back for the next six weeks and it does absolutely nothing but you know the, you see the red in it and you think that oh it's strong so it's going to do something mm. that's the beginning of the cocktail era 
and that's uh, it started with a guy named Jerry Thomas, who was the father of modern mixology. And his drinks were just so they were fun. You know, they used ingredients that we look to today, and we say, "Gosh, how are we going to make that?" But back in the day, when when he was a cocktailian, it was uh, it was something that the, the things that he could get easily and. It, it just teaches you what mixology is. It's not just about putting 14 ingredients in a drink and, and saying, here, it's going to get you fucked up. What we're saying is it's simple ingredients, carefully prepared with love. And that's what I've achieved, and I hope that others do the same. Word. Word. That's, that's beautiful, bro. That's the, that kind of boils down with a lot of art, man. Simple, hard work. Simple, simple ingredients. Mm-hmm. Like a yeah, three ingredients, you know, yeah. that's, the, that's the key. And that, that's, that's the, the go around in all of this, because so many of the brands that are out there, they're making more than 5,000 cans at a time. Uh, you know, we can't afford that. We're a small company. So we make 5,000 cans. That was our first run. And we were able to use non-industrialized ingredients. And the, uh, the lime puree comes frozen. So literally it's sitting, in a, it was sitting in a, refrigerator thawing you know from from solid frozen 2.2 pound containers you know kilo containers That's so uh and it, it it when it was time for us to to do our mix it was still frozen and so you know it, you you have problems when you go to to do things and it has to be filtered because if it gets plugged up into the, the spraying device that sprays the product into the can then you have to clean it, and then you have to take everything apart. You know, it takes time. Everything mm. takes time. Yeah, no, it's just the, the process. And that was during COVID, you know, yeah. so we're all masked up and gloves, and we're in gloves <laughs> anyway, but still, it's a, uh, it's a, cl- a super clean room. Yeah, it's, that's, that's, geez, just the processing yeah. for it, too, and, like, the... the we worked with uh, Rebel Coast Winery with, uh, with Josh. Where? Yeah, down in uh, Desert Hot Springs. My, it's, uh, it's my amazing facility. My cousin actually does. Uh, I think he's like a sales broker for Opeachy. Oh, well, I know yeah. Opeachy. Yeah, yeah, the wine yeah. company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. J- John Oliver. No, oh, I know John, John Oliver. John Oliver is yes. my cousin. That's oh, my, yeah. he's actually you, the. When you when you when you see when you see John, mention my name, please. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> okay. Out of here, bro. Yes, no he kno- he he knows me well. Oh, he knows my me God. well, and all good because I'm a member of the USBJ. So oh, the bartending bro. Guild. Oh, that's great, yeah. bro. Shout oh, out well, to John I, Oliver, yeah, bro. Shout out to John Oliver. Yes. He's uh, he's, he's actually uh, he's, a good guy. He's, he's yeah, a really he's, good guy. Oh, he's and he's, he's amazing. incredibly hardworking, and and how you have longevity in that business, I'll never know. One of the greatest tastes of music that you will you will ever uh, come he's across. Just a, he's a, he's, he's a, Morristown. He lived in Morristown for a long time. Well, I, 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 I did, moved I into Morristown. Know. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's just you know, I uh, I work with a lot of interesting people. There's another guy, Steve Fetty, that I work with, uh, that I've worked with over the years. Oh, oh yes, of course. Um, and he he's worked with John over the years, and they're just very very interesting. It's it's a career like any other, except for it reminds me of selling used cars, because someone always needs a used car, someone always needs a bottle of booze. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at liquor stores since I was thirteen, so come on, that was like over fifty years, longer than they've been around alive. So I, I, I've seen it all. People um, always need a used car. Yeah, <laughs> someone. Uh, well, that's why they wear those black shirts with the with the white ties. They look like a fucking used car dealer. I mean, or garmentos look the same way. People who work in the garment industry. My ex-wife uh, was uh, owned a women's clothing store, and she uh, she used to go into New York, and she's like, "That's a garmento. That's a garmento. They look like used car dealers or liquor salesmen." <laughs> 
<laughs> they yeah. all have that same mindset. Yeah. No. So, and, they're, and they're cut from the same cloth. They're from the, like Garfield. <laughs> what, what Garfield? <laughs> that's where they're from. Uh, that's fucking funny, man. <laughs> or, or, you know, they, weren't, they couldn't afford Cranford, so it was Rawway. You know, the, 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 the highway side, not the, uh, not the prison side. Yeah. That's funny. Being from here is a is a, a blessing and a curse. It's, I mean, because I grew up, as I said, I grew up incredibly privileged, more than anyone could imagine, and because you know, my grandfather was that kind of person, and he didn't show off, and he drove a, an old car and wore clothing that didn't shout, and you know, he was a really soft-spoken man. But it, that was lost on my parents. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted it all, and they were greedy, so they, they, they took it from their kids. They took it from me. They took it from everyone. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, that's a cautionary tale because when you have creativity and you dr- grow up around creative people who were in the wrong jobs, like my parents, my father, my mother never worked. She was with her horses every day. But the uh, my father, you know, he, he th- fell him, fell into the law and, and made it his life because he had nothing else, you know. And it's a uh, it's just an indication of where he came from and and who he was born to and the fact that he tried to make me like himself and that just made me not like him. And uh, I didn't like him at all. Yeah. You know, he he took me to Brazil at thirteen, and that was the that was either the best or the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. Was that you just? You well, I was supposed to get a bar mitzvah, and he said, well, "Let me take you to Brazil." I went to Brazil. That's the best one. Well, I would take Brazil over yeah, bar mitzvah. Yeah, but it fucked me for the rest of my life. Why? Because you just saw the color. No. Uh, the, the 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 experience of that. losing one's virginity in Brazil at thirteen. Oh, not a good idea. <laughs> You laugh. What, wait, what, what? He had control over me every day for the rest of my for the rest of his life. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Like, what, like, oh, because it was like a fucking. Was yeah, like, I've it heard what, about it that. What, now. Yeah, it's what you imagine. Yeah, I, I, I fucking. Uh, I heard of like I don't know. It was, it was you ever like, see the uh, Garden of Earthly Delights? No, I've heard, I've seen you the know, movie. The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the triptych Garden of Earthly Delights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have any right to have seen that at thirteen. Oh, good lord, bro! In, in human, that's that's yeah. yeah. Holy shit! As opposed to a artwork, yeah. But the experience of all the different things, and so that's how he controlled me. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty crazy, bro. That was pretty crazy. So when I consider my luck and, Mine and was the things. Dick. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, but I, what, my product, my book, all my books, just being me. That's, uh, th- I have a lot to share. And I try to. Yeah. And I try, as I said, I try to do better. It's that's, very. It's important. You it's very. Important. I, I, I really do. It's, uh, I don't want to, you know, I, I didn't, I never had children. So I don't have the traditional, you know, watch, watch someone else grow up through me. And uh, I wouldn't want my parents to have control over any offspring that I would have because to them it would just be an issue. Mm. As for me, I was just an issue. Mm. It wasn't a person. It was just you know a number. It was like you're just just some, a medium, a, a means to the, to them getting more money. You know that's what it was. So that's what rich people do, and uh, and that's on an extremely high level. And uh, you know they don't have to go through the normal. Uh, you know functions of government so yeah. there's things they call a surrogate court yeah. if they want to take all the money out of a trust they just did it they didn't notify the surrogate 
Huh. Know? So because they're above that. It's crazy, man. It's they're above it, that. I you know I have to pay parking tickets. They probably do too. But on a high, as I said, on a higher level, if it, if they need ten million dollars, they take it. Jesus take it Christ. and not tell anyone, you know, and didn't even pay taxes. And that's what my dad did to me huh. and told me every single day of my life that asked me why I worked so hard because I don't, I would never have to worry. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I had to worry. Yeah. Self-made. Thank you. Not it's, well, but you know, it's, uh, it's hard. I got a mentor and he was telling me, uh, cause I have, I have kind of the same problem, not necessarily the same problem. It's in a different level of class. My grandfather was like an immigrant from like Lebanon. He was like kind of like a, a nomad around mm-hmm. like the desert. He met mm-hmm. my grandmother and they immigrated to, to the United States and uh, had, a, had a house in Straight Street in oh, cool. Patterson. Yeah. And uh, he worked in a, in, a, in a clothing factory in right. Patterson for like maybe like 40 years, was a constable in the area too. Uh-huh. But, like, but it was like back when like the cops were like very community oriented yeah, right. rather they got than out of military. Their cars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We would just walk around the Arab place and just resolve problems that were in the community. Right. Fucking um it's uh weird, but he, he when he immigrated over here, he was in El Paso. He was born in El Paso, so he had citizenship, but he like immigrated back here, he was in Lebanon. Uh was working over here and then uh you know he, he established so my grandmother uh was putting away towels one day. And, uh, and, uh, and the fucking, uh, uh, shit, like a cabinet broke, like mm-hmm. the floor of a cabinet broke mm-hmm. and she started pulling out money and there was racks and racks of money. And yeah, it was, de- it was a depression safe. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was a depression safe, uh, that was like in, in the house in straight street. Uh-huh. So they took in and it was roughly like $300,000. That's, that's good money at any time. Yeah. 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 So roughly like, I think around that time, but it was like around 300 grand. So they got a house on the west side of Patterson. He started to raise a family. And he has uh, John's father, Nikki, who's fucking teen angel. is one of the fucking uh-huh. coolest people you ever meet. This also has an amazing music sense. You're on a uh, drink class. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. I'm going to send it. To- yeah, you got tagged. Yeah, send me that. You, you, send got, me that. you got tagged anyway. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Uh, what's it called? Um, yeah, I'm sending it to you right now. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, it's weird because the generations, they work in waves, bro. Yeah. Like, uh, a very good mentor of mine was saying. You're really, like, that's really lucky. It's good to have someone to guide you and to help you go to the next place emotionally as well as, as psychologically because you have a burden. And, you know, we, you and I were talking about that. And our burden are our fathers. Yeah. And our fathers were important figures to us, but they were just selfish because they only thought of themselves. Yes. They didn't think about anyone else. Yeah. And uh, I fall into that trap. But on the other side of it, I want you to know, as my brother, I want you to know that you're not alone mm. and that uh, mine just had no soul. Thank you. He had no soul yeah. at all, and uh, and it's up to me to do better, and it's up to you to do better as well. That's why I took the name, man. I was uh, like John is my cousin, is Oliver. Like, and I, I love, I love, like you know, I don't like disown like the Olivers. Yeah, but like well. the, uh, like, I don't know, my grandfather, like he had like the spirit of it, and he he built this thing for like 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 my family, and he yeah. gave everybody like a base for them to go and do their own lives. 
and uh, he really put a lot of faith in my father. Yeah, was but, like, but that was his first mistake. Put him in the law school. Because he wanted to see your father become the image that he wanted to see, not what your father wanted to see for himself. Yeah, that, and that's why he took advantage. And that's why he took advantage. They put up, they pushed him. They, he, he, my dad went through law school and was like the height, like you know what I mean. It was like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna be all these things. He's a very smart man, but right. he was like, he had no work ethic because everybody just like, you know what I mean. He was just like spoon fed a life. Well, that that sounds awfully familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, spoon fed a life, and then uh, yeah. and, and and the image of what that life would be. Yes, and then the ego overtook this goddamn man and uh and then after like you know he, right like, because he was a, he was an attorney didn't he, yeah didn't he, like he, doing it yeah i don't think he really liked actually being an attorney i think he liked talk saying he was an attorney well yeah so uh, <laughs> but <laughs> like, still that allow that opens many doors to business yes because uh i i just know it it it, it opens doors to business and that's what makes it intriguing because they use that to manipulate others through the law. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a very. He got, he, that's what ended up. That was ending up being his like actual tool of survival. It was just like manipulating, like you know, I'll oh, give me like a retainer, and he would just be right. Mister Mister Borrow, bro. <laughs> like, right, uh, right. Well, that yeah, but that was another life. So yeah, no, but he uh, he just ended up fucking like just ended up being very like not necessarily. He was like very like predatory, like a little bit. Like he would like use like relationships and just leverage it. And it was my mom was supporting us, and she was working a stop and shop. And like when I started to like get older, like you know, it was like, and I was kind of like fed a, an image like afterward, mm-hmm. after after all my grandfather did for me, like started to just like disown him and call him names, and yeah. everybody was stupider than him. And it was just like a bad, it was just a bad vibe. And uh, as yeah, I got older and I started to create things, I was like, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like, you know, and I wanted to honor my grandfather. So I went back to Zaytan. That's, that's great. But it's, yeah, it's the wave of like so the be, generation so, goes up like this. And so it goes being like this. that you're from here and you don't know this of me, but I'm going to tell you, I used to write for New Jersey monthly magazine and write restaurant reviews yeah. for them. And I love food down here in Patterson more than anything oh, you can wonderful. imagine. So you have to be my guide. And we were just, oh. you know, we were talking before in when, you know, that you cover the, the food. Well, I thought physically it wasn't just the brain food, but I was thinking that my gut was going to get filled up. Oh. So one of these days and we'll make a time, I have to come back down, and you have to take me to your favorite restaurant. We're going restaurant. to Hood Famous, bro. This and is we're going to go Hood Famous. This yes. is how I met this man. So there's the there's, uh, I've talked about this on the other podcasts about like two weeks. In the past two weeks, I made this viral TikTok right. uh, with my buddy John Page. We're actually supposed to go to lunch at this spot today to make the follow up video. Um, so, uh, what's it called? Uh, we I, I, we were at. At a, at a chicken spot at like uh-huh. midnight and he was like yo he's like i want to get some food and i'm like no place is open right now he's like no there is a place he's like american fried chicken yeah i'm like all right where is it it's by the bp bp is probably the worst part of patterson once uh-huh. you go past that white castle yeah. though, it's, a whole different world. <laughs> it's all downhill whole from there. different world fourth yeah. ward is nuts no you just uh, don't want to do that yeah. it's just nuts it's a nutty nutty fucking place yeah uh what's it called uh so we go to we go to i'm like all right i'm like all right let's go so we go to the spot and uh, I'm there, and it was just like I noticed that the place accepted Bitcoin. Yes, that's uh, bad. Yes, but that's I was like, who who is paying for Bitcoin? It was Arabs, chicken, chicken, Chinese. The chicken. They're, they're dealing. They're they've got grows all over here. Paying for chicken <laughs> with Bitcoin. 
Well, yeah. Oh, I finally get it because yeah. there's like drugs over there there's, and they were, they were laundering the Bitcoin. Yes, it's oh, cleaning dude. it. They're cleaning it. That's They're cleaning insane. it through every sale. And, it's, and it, they, they have the metric down to each piece of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> because it's all in the multiples. Uh, it's all in the multiple. I worked in banking. You oh, remember that? Oh, my God. It's the magic of compound interest. That's what oh my, my friend God, Ted used bro. to say. It. The magic Holy of compound shit. interest. But yeah, I, I saw the Bitcoin that was like, we accept Bitcoin here. And I was like, who's paying for chicken? And then I just started looking around. I just made a video joke. And the TikTok uh-huh. doesn't really do that much. I don't know. I thought it was shadow banned. And then it just started to fucking like well, spread I got, like wild. I got certified or I got a blue check on... Uh, what, on TikTok? On, not on TikTok, but on uh, Instagram. Oh, word, really? Yeah, so, oh, nice. uh, and they, and it's weed. It's a weed site. So, you know, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it started to blow up, and uh, I don't know, people started do, suggesting more places to go check out in the comments, and a lot of them are places I've actually already been to. Uh-huh, but I'm like, uh-huh. I'm, but, uh, like, but then I go back to the chicken spot. I get a DM from the owner of the chicken spot. That's so cool. He's like, he's like, I own the chick, I own the chicken place. He spells chicken wrong. Man owns a chicken store, spells it's, chicken wrong. It's, yeah, but how do you spell it? He spelled it chicken, like uh, oh, oh, interesting. C-H-E-K-N. Not not even I, uh, not even I C K E N. No E. It with an E A N. Yeah, that's interesting. Chicken. Okay, check-in. so that has to mean something. So we meet the chicken boss. Chicken. Uh, so I go into the spot, uh, and people in the comments are like, "Yo, food is banging," and I agree, the uh-huh. food was banging. Uh, my roommate over here is like, "Yo, let's let's go to the spot." So we go to the spot, and. Uh, I go up to the window. I'm like, "Hey, I'm looking for like a Delorey Con." I'm like, uh, "I'm like, uh, is the so the chicken chicken store owners like come by? I want you to make a second video." So I'm like, "I'm looking for like the owner of the spot." And I was like, "I made a video." He's uh-huh. like, "Oh, you're the one who made the video." Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, it's funny the guy pee on building, but the rest. Uh huh. I'm like, I don't know. So he's like, he's like, the owner's not here, and he's like, uh, so the guy goes and pulls in the phone. He's like, dun-la, dun-la, dun-la. and <laughs> do he's you speak like, the language? he'll be here also, five do, minutes. Do you speak Arabic? No, I'm very, I'm very bad. I'm actually better at Spanish than I am in Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, Spanish will get you any place. Cooking, but, but, bro. Cooking. But but your but your uh, your heritage, you should learn it. I would love to. You I would love learn to learn it. It's hard. Should, it's in your soul. Yeah. Yeah. I got I got just the way you said I'm that. Not, I'm not native to it, man. No, but you don't have to be. Yeah. You don't have to be. And that's the magic of it because it's uh, it, because it's a history that predates Christianity. Oh well, and, yeah, yeah. And you you owe it to your ancestors. It's true. I you know, I, I, I feel do. the same way about Hebrew, and I don't speak it or write it or anything. But you know, I for you it, it around here, it's like a it's like a view into uh, a room that's locked to all others. It's it, crazy. It truly is. You you have to you have to know with all the restaurants. It's all Arabic. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and there, and a lot of them are Christians, and there are Jews as well. Yeah. And it's, uh, but it's very interesting. That's what I appreciate about Patterson the most. I that love really the is a, It's the melting pot. It really is a true yeah. melting pot where it's like there's, there's Peru, the Peruvian the section, Peruvian section uh, African American, uh-huh. Dominican, Arabic. There's Jewish. There's fucking yeah. There's everything. There Puerto Rican synagogues down by the old. There's a synagogue down Eastman. there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, and then there's the I love the the buildings down by the uh, by the falls. B- by the falls. Yeah. Those are beautiful. I really like the mayor now. I like yeah. the mayor. He has like some questionable it, shit. What, but... Now, what about the building that has all the lights in it? 
Which build? Oh, they're, that's the Art Factory. That's, yeah, that. Art Factory is like this with like corporate yeah. money. That, they're like, they're like 20, 20 racks for a wedding. That's serious. That's serious place. I, uh, I I drove by there and it was like, wow, someone who's really affluent did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they make a lot of money on the oh, weddings. You bet they do. That's an event space. Yeah. 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 It's huge. And it has parking and everything else. Guy's so. kind of a dick from, uh, from, from popular opinion. But you, but, you, but you would know from your, you know, working with all... I mean, I've never actually met here. the guy who owns Art Factory. I just know yeah. a lot of people who like will lease the studio. They'll lease right. the studio from him, or they'll lease. Uh, it's and uh, the tenants there are always like, man, this guy's yeah. got a fucking dick. And it's like, but uh, well, he doesn't have to be. He owns the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> doesn't care, bro. You're, you're a drop of water. Yeah, you're a drop of water. There. I mean, yeah. yeah, I got that. You know, and that's uh, that's what makes life really exciting in its own way because he can pick and choose what he wants to be, and you. You can too, and that's why you're here and not there. Yeah, and that's why I brought it up as a sort of a verbal juxtaposition. I felt like it was a little bit more fate, man. It was strange because, like, when I was, I wasn't even really looking for an apartment, and I, I didn't know any of these people. I was a right. response. Oh, okay. To, I was so it wasn't like it was your friends that that said, "Hey, we finally have a uh, a space that we can share with you." No, no, no. It was. Uh, I, uh, I I have an office in Woodland Park, uh, okay. and. I, I was living with my my grandmother and my father, and I just come back from Shasta after like uh-huh. maybe like six years. And I was taking yeah. care of my grandmother, but my father came back down because he's just like the uh, the evolve of, of of spoon feeding somebody. The rest is that there's no work ethic, so the guy doesn't produce money. So he's living with his grandmother and stealing money. It's oh, kind of yeah. kind of the same, <laughs> the same situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I all that. My well, my my parents, you know, they they were convinced that I had snorted a small country up my nose, and I did. And uh, they uh, they conveniently made me go away through lawyers, and that's why uh, I I'm very hesitant today to do anything with more than a handshake and a smile because lawyers are just generally trouble for me. Yeah, and they represent all the bad things rather than all the good things. Yeah. So uh, what's it called? I was looking for. Uh I was looking for, uh, so I, I, had the, I had the office and I was living there and I, I don't know, like, uh, I actually had a, had like kind of like a, a like a fling kind of like, kind of get rejected. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, I don't know. I was like, what the fuck? I looked at myself deeply and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah. And I looked at it and I was like, well, this, this, and this. And I was like, well, I'm like, I'm also 30. So I was like looking for yeah, spots. Yeah, and but I, you're young. So. I literally scrolled through, uh, through Instagram and I saw this spot and then I, I responded to it. And uh, I got like a quick like tour like on a on a on a on a calm day, and then I was like, all right, cool. And then I was very like, yo, can can I can I can I do this? Like you know, I, like I really, I want to live here. I really want to live here. This and is then, it's just such great energy. I had a night. Yeah, I had you, a, it's, it's like it's it just screams creativity. You could do anything here. There's a lot of heritage as well. Heritage, especially. Yeah. yeah well, that's that that there is that, but it's. But the things that you've chosen and the manner that you place them is, oh, this is my baby. It's brilliant. Uh-huh. It's brilliant. I am so inspired. I can't begin to tell you that that that, that your this, your cameras and your actually... Ansel Adams and the scales of justice and uh-huh. the Toltec uh, pre Aztec or Aztec influenced art and the books that you've chosen and art books and zen books and history books and watchman and it, it 
it, and LSD. I mean, that was that was it. That was it. I actually, this piece is actually not. Uh, it's like a tribute piece a little bit. So like, uh, I have two the uh, two partners in this in this floor uh, are John Fathom and uh, and Alex Bergerman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I tried to get pieces that were like kind of like tribute. It's like the three personalities. Like I, I'm the one with like the middle, like where uh-huh. the skull and stuff. I, I have a lot of memento mori's. Uh, the the cameras over here. This is a lot of my Cam- I love the SX seventy. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. This is uh, but the the polo, old Polaroids on tops are, uh, are are Alex. Alex is a Polaroid photographer. Uh-huh. John is uh, John is a lot of the of the curation over here. Um, the the stencils, these pieces, uh, wonderful, wonderful artists. The, light, the lighting is beautiful in here at night. It must just glow. Yeah, the shan chandeliers by Alex. Uh, but yeah, this this whole thing was a tribute piece. So it's like I, I got items that were uh, that were like what I, I would see I would find at thrift that would be complimentary to uh, to the people, man. You know what I mean? It's like you know I, yeah, I have it, this shop because like John uh, John's uh, John founded Six Sixty, which was like kind of the the spiritual predecessor of this place. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So it would uh, yeah, it, it was like uh, twenty fifteen years in Jersey City on Six Sixty Grand Street. Uh, Alex was one of the tenants and he took a floor there and, uh, he started to do after school activities and like, you know, make it's all these so programs. Inspired. Yeah. Uh, you guys Should come are, for Monday, man. You guys, I, I would love to, you, yeah. you really just, you, you, you inspire me and you help me see that everything isn't an office building. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's it. when I drove by here. I was like, "Oh, there's like used car dealers and all yeah. sorts of shit down here." And then I came into through your doors, and there was a woman, a Spanish-speaking woman, and I asked her if it was okay to park my car next to hers, and she said, "Don't worry, it's okay." And she said, "Who are you coming to see?" And I said, "Someone upstairs." And and she was like, "Oh," and she said, "No problem, everything is fine." And I called, I called, and that was it. And I mean, it was just. It's really, really nice. I've had great energy. Yeah, it was yeah. drawing me in like an electromagnet. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's crazy. Uh, just the just the feeling of it, man. Like, like, like I said, I, I lived in McKibben before, but when I when I interviewed for this place, it was like it was a different vibe. The first thing I was like, no way, Patterson's getting gentrified, bro. No yeah. way. But I was like, but then I then, then I go here and I realize, man, that these people aren't really like that. They're like. Uh, no, this is this is a creative output place. It's not just like Hoboken or Jersey City, and I know about those places because they're imagery. They're, you know, there's there's lofts there, but they're not. They're just for yuppies. Yeah, they're not for creators. Yeah. You're a creator. Yeah, you are, tr- you are truly a creator. No matter what you do in life, you will always be an artist. Mm. Yeah. Your brain works in ways that others don't. It's my therapy, bro. But that's what I lose but, my that's, but, that, mind. but that's what I what I say about when I worked in a bank. Yeah. It was it, it was so soul sucking. Yeah. It it took away my creativity. I could have I worked in a cube. There was nothing more demeaning than that. There was a, my cube went from an executive's cube to an assistant's cube to the, this tiny little box that was indicative of my brain uh. because they sucked the life out of me. 
Yeah. It it wasn't fun anymore. It never was fun. People and their money, it's the most disgusting thing in the world. The money stinks. The strippers keep it in their cooties. And uh, <laughs> and they would all give it to me when I was a teller. It had pubic hairs on it. It was How, disgusting. Oh, I, I love, like, I, not love, but like, I, like I, sometimes mm. I see the stripper come in with a shitload yeah, of Yeah, it was shitload of stick it up their cootie. Yeah. Yeah, or, or, or other places. <laughs> yeah, and they, and they turn it into the bank. And you're supposed supposed to you know and this is before gloves because you don't work with gloves if you work with gloves you they stick together you yeah. know you work with your hands really yeah oh, and Jesus this was like Christ. 1992 so you know fine year for and, stripping and i and we everything was done with a sharp machine which was like a adding machine yeah. it wasn't online when we went online it was like what's that yeah well when, when <laughs> you, you had to reconcile the, the every day the sky. you had to reconcile huh so you know all the all that I ever have to say is that uh, that your path is is really really important to take, mm. and it's it's so you know I think it's so important to <laughs> there we are. It's so important to take the right path in life and to follow your dreams and be able to do what you love. And as an artist, you're able to do that, and I can see it in your face because. You're the you are the Warren that I always wanted to be, and I'm just becoming now. And you are at your age for who you are, not just me. So I'm trying. You've I'm, done a good I'm, job. I'm this, trying. This is a fucking awesome thing. Gosh, to be to be interviewed by you. I mean, I'm hood famous now. <laughs> this is actually afternoon FM, but uh, uh, but yeah, hood hood famous is we got we got to get an episode in, man. This is awesome. If you know any, if you know any like hole in the wall spots that you want to check out. Like oh, as well. I, no, you know, like, I know, I'm, I know I'm going to pour myself. See, what I do when, when I really learn about food and learn about the, where food has taken me, yeah. I put myself into someone else's hands and I say, what is your favorite? Let's go there. Yeah. I'm, I'm and, following you know, comments. Be, because I, you just follow your stomach. That's yeah. all. That's, that's what you do. You follow your stomach. <laughs> I, I walk around and I smell and I, and I smell things and, and I make, make sure that that they uh that people that i'm with understand that the, this is not where the tourists go you know you don't see tourists out in front of uh of american places. fried chicken yeah, well I, I love fried chicken no nah, yeah. <laughs> american fried chicken's a, love <laughs> is a journey but i love fried chicken can i say that again i love fried We're having fun. Um, this is great. You know, so back in 2015, I wish I, we could hold this up to the camera, but we don't have a camera. But I wrote this book, Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails, and Tonics, and I yeah. give you 75 ways to serve cannabis in a beverage that'll mess you up and all your friends, and they'll remember you forever. Like when I was on Viceland Live, and I made a 25 or 2800 milligram punch with barrel bourbon and blood orange juice. And it also had CBD because their producer, who trusted me, foolishly enough, uh, <laughs> the producer said, I want a CBD, co CBD cocktail that I could feel. Well, everyone knows that when you mix CBD and, and alcohol together, it counteracts any feelings that you get from CBD, and it does nothing at all. So you have to add THC with the CBD to unlock the entourage effect, 
and they were destroyed on live TV. <laughs> And I think this show got canceled a couple of weeks afterwards. Viceland Live, they'll never forget. I'll never forget. I don't do that anymore. I'm really careful about who I make punch for. <laughs> because that one was memorable. That one, that, that was a punch. I did one more party. I did a party for High Times Magazine, and their right. chef lost their job. Really? Yeah, because he didn't tell anyone that the food was infused, and he really went over. There was, like, gummies with 500 milligrams in them, and people were eating dozens of them i've done that before yeah well i have too but they were these I'm were like very, very these were like these animals. were like rich people and they didn't take it well because they'd never gotten high before many of them and you know so i showed up and they were in the starting to feel nauseous stage and the police showed up soon thereafter and he lost his job i you know through the the grace of the universe i didn't get into trouble because I didn't have, I wasn't making drinks long enough to have anyone have a bad experience. Yeah. But I was there, so I was party to it. Yeah. Bad thing. That is crazy. Bad thing. Yeah. Very, very bad thing. I, it changed the way I, I do cocktails for people. And I used to, uh, you know, hell or high water, make incredibly powerful drinks. Now it's less is more. Yeah. Because they're going to have five anyway, so I don't want them to have an overwhelming experience yeah. where they think about me and think about you know when they were throwing up, yeah. <laughs> because that's what that's really what happens. You just brand, get really sick, thing, yeah. and I don't want them to feel sick. I have enough troubles with my Jewish belly, so I don't want to make <laughs> them feel bad. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. I'm very cautious on, on edibles on that too. A lot of uh, I make very drastic life decisions. Yeah, edibles are too like you know. I don't know. It's part of the reason why I went to California. I, well, that's uh, right. We're gonna bar job. But a lot of people go to California for very altruistic region, reasons. Yeah, you know what's weird is there's the manifest destiny right. thing. Well, yeah. but, but California is that kind of place, and that's why we, we love it there, you know, and that's why we love California. And just being in, just around, you know, like all those hippies and, yeah. and Vietnam vets yeah. and all sorts of interesting people. Reading's very strange. Reading was, uh, it's crazy. The, the There's, there are a lot of artists be between there. Between NorCal and SoCal yeah. is nuts. SoCal is very, like, I realized I wanted to be a. I realized I wanted to be a filmmaker for the rest of my life when I was in SoCal. Oh yeah, I mean because there's, you're surrounded by it. I'm, I'm an Emerson grad. Yeah. You know, I, I have a degree in film. I love. I would love to make movies. Oh but hell yeah! My so the trouble was my grandfather was the largest shareholder of Columbia Pictures, really? and uh, he was vice chairman of the board. And I couldn't get a job working in the movie industry even if I wanted to because it was nepotism rules in the '80s. Yeah. And I came out of Emerson with this nicely minted BFA in film, and I couldn't get a job. What? I'd worked in television, I'd worked in film for years, but I couldn't get a real uh, job, uh, a real union job. Yeah. I don't know, so, I, I'm very reluctant to take a fucking, it's not, not, like, it's not like a thing, it's just like I want to make, that's why I end up doing photography a lot. Actually, this is, uh, this is kind of a byproduct of, uh, I just have to make shit every day. I think what you have to do is be creative in small ways. Yeah, yeah. Breathing. Breathing, breathing. is good. Breathing Photography is, good. is a way of breathing. And being, podcasting. And being interviewed is a really good thing. I yeah. love doing it. I love showing up in, in your beautiful space. I love sharing time with you in a cup of Darjeeling tea. And, yeah. And being in a Zen space that's uh, that's really healing and, and very important to my growth and right. and the Always way I live back. my life. No, I, Always I, welcome I, back. I have to tell you that. That's, that's really... Uh, we, I'm a seeker, but I'm also a finder, and I found my place here. Namaste. Where? Hell yeah. 
Uh, where can we find you on social media, bro? Uh, you can find me at uh, drinkklaus.com. D-R-I-N-K-K-L-A-U-S, two Ks. You can find us on Instagram at drinkklaus again, uh, without the dot com. I'm Warren Bobro on Instagram. I'm also cocktailwhisperer.com. I think I have a Wikipedia. I'm pretty sure I do. My publisher took care of that. I've written six books. Um, I write for Cannabis Cactus. I write for Skunk. And I write for Different Leaf. So you can read my stuff there. And I'm in Full Pour magazine this month. Their first issue, two full pages. That's it. Warren Bobro, ladies and gentlemen, Afternoon FM. Stay beautiful, people.